What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Full Draw Friday on a Saturday. This is number 40. Today I'm going to talk about kind of where we're at with the deer activity and an interesting picture that came from Missouri over the last couple couple few days here. And then we'll get into some strategy stuff for this week, over the next week here and this weekend. And then a good article from Dr. Kroll out of North American Whitetail. But before we get into all of that, don't forget about our, our partner for... Full Draw Friday, and that's Rodney Hawkins. You guys are in the market for some recreational property. He's going to be the guy to talk to. He grew up hunting and fishing in southern Illinois, and now he's putting that love for the outdoors into selling those recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. If you guys don't know about them, they're not your average real estate company. They sold over $85 million worth of ground in 2022. They've got agents like Rodney all over Illinois. They're really a local company with a national reach. For more info, you can contact Rodney directly at 618-925-3153, and he'll get you taken care of. He's also got his own company called RG Outdoors, and he's currently got products from Radix Hunting. He's got Tacticam trail cameras. He's got an all-natural scent elimination product called Camo Dust, which we've been using. I haven't had anything downwind to me yet, so I can't say whether it works or not. Um, I'll let you know as soon as that happens. Hopefully it doesn't happen. I'd rather just not have any deer downwind to me. But anyway, we've been trying that stuff out a little bit. As for the Radix stuff, of course, it's all that's all great products there. Um, from the blinds, he's got their blind chairs as well. He's got the hard and soft-sided blinds, and we've really been happy with the ones of those that we've we've been able to use. So any info on that, you can go to their Facebook page, RG Outdoors. You can email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com, or again, just call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153. Make sure you tell them that you heard about it on the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. Our social media is Ridge Hunter Outdoors, Facebook and Instagram. We do have a Facebook group, RHO Podcast Patrons, where you guys can have some input on the show. RidgeHunterOutdoors.com is our website. Anything you find on there that you like, whether it be our all-natural scents that we've got available now, the buck tarsal spray, doe tarsal spray, and the calming spray, or the apparel, or the food plot seed, you can use the discount code FULDRAW, that's all caps, no space, and you'll get 10% off your entire order. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, we'd appreciate it if you guys give us a follow, leave us a review, that helps us out a whole bunch. It doesn't even cost you anything but a couple minutes, if that. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe like, comment, all that good stuff. But if you subscribe, hit the notification bell. You will be the first, one of the first to know when our second episode of Fall Pursuit comes out this coming Tuesday. Our first episode is out. So if you guys missed that, go back, check it out. I thought it turned out, I was pretty happy with the way it turned out. We had a couple bucks go down in the first week, and Jeff got on a doe too. So a lot of good footage there. Make sure you go check that out. Fall Pursuit Episode 1, and we'll have another one coming out Tuesday. You can catch that on our YouTube channel, Ridge Hunter Outdoors. So, all that said, let's get into Full Draw Friday number 40. Yeah. All right, so for our deer activity update, we are full-on in the October lull portion of the season. Middle October, if you guys have been hunting for any period of time, you know about it, the October lull. Though the scientists say and all the studies show that buck activity continues to rise steadily throughout the month of October as their testosterone goes up, they're still not moving very far from their beds. So they might be more active during the daytime, spend more time on their feet as it goes on. But they're not moving very far. And you can see that based on your trail cameras, based on your sits. Uh, when you're out there not seeing a lot of bucks, 
not seeing a lot of deer activity in general. Maybe you're getting on some does, but the mature bucks especially, they might be on their feet more, but they're still not moving far from their bed. This cold front that we've got, another one on a weekend, which is great, can help a little bit. It might get them feeling a little bit a little bit better than when it's hot out, obviously, and ready to get up a little earlier or stay out a little later, and you might catch one there again in that first last hour, kind of like we talked about on the last cold front, which is going to be a little more likely this week even than last week because the later you get into October, the better the cold fronts are going to be for deer movement. Obviously, you get that cold front that coincides with the pre-rut. That's that's when good things really happen, especially on those bucks, specific bucks that you're hunting on your on your property or wherever it may be. But we're still in that lull, even with even with the colder weather. So don't get your expectations too high just because it's nice and cool out. But it is, I mean, it's a great time to go sit in the woods. The leaves are changing colors. It's it's really a good time to be in a tree, and that chill in the air just makes it a little bit easier than being out there sweating, fighting the bugs, and all that kind of stuff. So you can you can try to keep your eye on your cameras just to see. That might be a good thing to do. You can you before you crash in on your best stands, maybe, um, just because of where deer are on their activity side. But I'll get more into that in the strategy here in just a second. So for the legislative news, if you guys haven't seen it, it was going around Facebook, Instagram, and there's been some news articles on it. There's a deer. It's a picture of a deer that came out of Missouri, and it has black paint on it with the letters P E T, and it has a some kind of dog collar. He's orange or red, maybe. I could be totally wrong on that. But anyway, it had a dog collar, and it had pet painted on the side of it. Obviously, somebody found this deer and was keeping it as a pet and didn't want it to get killed during the deer season, so they decided that that was the best way to keep that from happening, I guess. I've seen them with orange vests on, with bells, collars, obviously, ribbons, all kinds of stuff. Um, Personally... I'm not a big fan of painting on animals myself. I know maybe they're thinking they're doing them a favor by not getting them killed or whatever. But it's actually illegal to even own wild animals, uh, wildlife, native wildlife in Missouri. So I don't know. They're just advertising that they're partaking in illegal activity maybe. I don't know who it is. I don't know that anybody knows who it is, but... It's an interesting one. You guys should look it up. Go read some stuff on it. Uh, they did an interview with uh, an official from the Missouri DNR, I believe, that talked about it a little bit and kind of the legalities of it. So that was interesting, I thought. Um, there are, you do see people with pet deer a lot. And good for them, but if you're going to do it, maybe don't paint on the deer and uh, check the laws first. That's just like with our hunting stuff. You want to be familiar with the laws and regulations when you go out there to hunt. Maybe maybe be familiar with that too if you're going to try to keep a deer as a pet. So moving on to our hunting strategy for the week. With the cold front in, moving in, you know, like I was just talking about, you can mix in some morning sits if you've got bucks or deer, if you're just hunting deer instead of those mature bucks that are moving close to daylight. Like they're getting close to that, those morning hours. Maybe he's moving at 5 o'clock. This cold front might be enough to get him to stay out just late enough to be moving at first light. So if you have that, obviously, if you have them on a daylight pattern on your cameras in the mornings, that's always a time to hunt them. We've talked about that throughout the early season. And really, it'll be that way throughout the rest of the season. November is going to be kind of a crapshoot on that. You're not really going to be able to pattern them as much. 
But then again, in December, once you get one on a pattern, uh, you might move to more afternoon hunts in general. But if you get one on a morning pattern, you can definitely capitalize on that. So this cold front can help that too. Like I said, if you've got one that's not necessarily on a morning daylight pattern, but he has been showing up on camera just before daylight or even just after dark, that this cold front could be what puts him over the edge uh, of that timeline of legal shooting light. So that's something to look for. It's going to get warm again, though. So, I mean, it is still mid-October. It's still early. It's going to get warm again this week, I believe, throughout most of the Midwest. So I'd probably back off the morning hunts when that happens, even if you have one that's close. He's probably not going to be moving. Uh, if that's the only only time you got to hunt, then absolutely go for it. But, like, if you have the option, maybe go back to those exclusive afternoon sits at least for another. Like, we're probably a 10 days away from the best time to start hunting mornings pretty hard. That last week of October seems to be when the movement really starts to tick up as far as mature bucks go in the morning. So keep that in mind as well. Now, for the North American Whitetail segment this week, I mentioned it in the opening. We got an article from Dr. Kroll. It's part of his Managing Whitetail Deer on Private Lands series. This is part four. And he's talking about collecting data on the deer on your private land. And this is an interesting one because I think it's something that not a lot of people do that could be really beneficial. So here we go, you private landowners, and even those of you who aspire to own private land. And really, you could do this on public ground too. You know, you could keep these stats especially if you're hunting a particular piece of public um, year over year, this could help you figure some things out. Or if you're you're mixing in different public lands, maybe you could take this data and then hone in on one that tends to be better than the other. But here we go. He starts out by saying, sound management decisions are based on accurate data from the deer you harvest each year, and that is what this installment is all about. A good friend and colleague once said, many a beautiful theory has been murdered by a ruthless gang of facts, Without good data, everyone's opinion is as good as another. Each deer you harvest from your land has a huge story to tell you, even if only you ask the right questions and collect the most important information. The average deer hunter kills a buck or doe, tags the carcass, field dresses the animal, throws the carcass into his vehicle, and heads home. If the buck is big enough, the hunter probably takes a photograph to post on social media or show to his hunting buddies. That is the sum total of data collected from each deer, either from public or private property. So there you go, he mixes in the public there too. That's generally what happens. That's kind of what I was saying there. We don't take much data from them. Maybe we score them. If it's a big buck, obviously mount it, put it on the wall. But a picture, and maybe you ask the the guy at the processing shop, or maybe you weigh it out after you, you cut it up yourself, see how much meat was there. That tends to be it. And there's so much more that we can learn from the right data collected which is what he's going to get into next. And again, I'm like always, I'm skipping around in this article, so pick up the North American Whitetail and read this whole article. And even the last three editions where he's got this, again, this is part four of this series, and it's been a really good series. So there's a lot of stuff to pick up from him on managing private lands. So here he goes. He says, let's go over what data are needed. Obviously, the first data would be the sex of the deer. Then you should weigh your deer as field-dressed weight. So buck or doe, and then field-dress it, and weigh it. In most cases, field dress weight, he says, is about 70 to 80 percent of live weight, but it can vary greatly depending on whether the deer has just fed or drank. So make sure you got good scales. Field dress weight means you've got the organs removed and nothing else. So you leave the legs on there. Obviously, the head's still attached. All that stuff is still connected. You just, you field dressed it, taking everything out from the inside and then get your weight there. He says, 
uh, after talking about how how that can vary depending on whether they've just fed or drank. He says field dress weight is the standard used in deer management because of that. So bucker doe, field dress weight are going to be the first couple of things that you want to take. Skipping ahead here. Next, you should field age your deer by examining the teeth. To do so, you may have to cut the jaw, something you definitely don't want to do on a buck you plan to mount. So obviously, if you're going to mount the deer, don't cut the jaw out of it. Your taxidermist will not appreciate that. He goes on and he has uh, a thought here. He says, now, I know what you're saying to yourself. I hear that aging deer by their teeth is not very accurate, and besides, I don't know how to do it. First of all, there is variation in anything you do, anything you measure on animals, and tooth wear is certainly one of them. So he's, he's acknowledging the fact that it's not completely accurate, and there's really no completely accurate way to age deer unless you have trail camera pictures of it, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But he goes on to explain a lot into detail about how they do it and how they age deer based on their teeth. And I'm not going to read through all of that stuff. I'll skip ahead again a little bit here. He says, Most managers agree that with training, the tooth wear and replacement method is adequate for most management decisions. So, again, he, he talks about how they do it and kind of their process. I didn't want to get too far on the weeds on that. Basically, you're looking for wear on the teeth. And if the teeth are worn, worn way down, then it's probably an older deer, you know, and there's different stages of that. Now, Deer don't have any teeth on the top. I cannot tell you how many people have brought deer into the shop thinking they're really old deer, you know, two-and-a-half-year-old bucks, because he doesn't have any teeth on the top in the front of his mouth. He's, he didn't have any teeth. He's got to be old. He's got to worn down. Well, there's not any there to start with, so don't let that fool you. You're looking for the jawbone, the teeth in the back of the mouth on the bottom, the molars, essentially, I guess you would call them. And that's what you're going to go by. In my opinion... This is a, a good way. It's a good a good way to kind of guess the age of the deer. And if you collect this all the time on the deer that you kill, eventually over time, if you get enough of them of deer you have trail camera pictures of, especially when you're talking bucks because you can keep up with their ages better, you'll start to see that I got this jawbone from this buck that I've had pictures of for three years starting when he was, let's say, two and a half. So I know this deer's five and a half. This jawbone looks like this. I thought it maybe he was four and a half based off the jawbone. So maybe I had to adjust that. Versus this deer I've had pictures of for two years. He's a four and a half year old. His jawbone looks like this. And then you can kind of start to compare and contrast and build your own database of jawbones and trail camera pictures, which is also a thing that I think you should keep as well. And he doesn't mention it in the article. He might have mentioned about keeping trail camera data somewhere else. But... If you guys can keep all the trail camera pictures of bucks that you have starting when they're, if they have an identifiable rack at one and a half or two and a half years old, when they start to become their individual bucks, obviously some of them are going to be difficult. Like a clean eight point is going to be tough at two and a half years old. But if you can start keeping those pictures year over year, you know, you don't have to keep every one of them you get. If you keep a couple of them from every season, you can start to age that buck based on your trail camera pictures. And that becomes valuable not only for aging your deer, but you can use those to determine where he's going to be at what times of the year the next year because so often they use the same patterns even one year to the next. So I think trail camera data is a huge one that you should be keeping too, not only for managing deer but also just for hunting them. So we'll get back to the article here. 
Skipping ahead, he says, we require, require our cooperators to collect all Boone and Crockett measurements, but still calculate the frame score from the form. And that basically is they measure average time, average beam length, and inside spread, and that gives them what he's calling that frame score. So that's kind of another number that you can use. So there's still more to record about the deer. If it is a doe, we examine the udder to see if it has milk in it, something you can do when the deer is field dressed. This is important in obtaining a comparison against your visual sightings and trail camera data. If a doe was in milk at the time of harvest, that means she nursed at least one fawn that summer, which is a conservative indicator of fawning success. So whether or not they had a fawn with them, if even if the fawn is weaned, they'll still carry milk for like up to two weeks after that. So if they have milk, at least you know that they had a fawn. And like he's talking about, that was they had a successful uh, breeding season the past year. So that's important to know, too, because you have to know your recruitment rate and how many deer are coming in. And that kind of gives you an idea on how many you need to take out for the next year, especially when it comes to your buck-to-doe ratios and things of that nature. So he goes on and closes out the article. I'm not going to get into that, but that's basically the gist of it. Collect the data on your property of the deer that you're taking from your property, and it's going to help you so much when it comes to managing those deer you can't manage your herd unless you know it, and that's just a key factor, another key factor in knowing your deer herd. So that's all I got for this week on Full Draw Friday number 40. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, don't forget about Fall Pursuit on a Ridge Hunter Outdoors YouTube channel. Go check it out. First episode just came out on Tuesday, and we'll have the second episode this Tuesday. You want to stay tuned for that. And all season, it's going to be semi-live all year, so you guys kind of see what's been going on. Maybe you're out-of-state guy wanting to keep up with uh, – what things are looking like here in, in southern Illinois or whatever, um, or you're from Illinois and you just don't get down this way much, you kind of want to keep an idea on the, the deer activity, how things are going, you can do that. That's part of the reason I wanted to do the semi-live thing. So go over to YouTube, watch that, let us know what you think of it. Again, it's our first ever kind of full, fully produced show, I guess, and obviously it's YouTube-based, so we take any of the feedback that you can give us on that. Again, thanks for listening this week, guys, and we'll have Rodney Hawkins on Monday to talk about some stuff. I'm sure we'll talk about some real estate stuff. Obviously, we'll get into some some hunting as well. We'll talk about what products he's got at RG Outdoors, what he's got going on there, and all that good stuff. But until then, we'll see you. Good luck this weekend.